it's, it's just not worth it. And like I said, you can still do this and you're still going to be a good loving parent. I'm just telling you, if you want to avoid a lot of nonsense, and this is not just regular coming of age stuff, right? This is not like, oh, you're trying to save your child from awkward experiences or slipping and falling. I'm saying, if you want to give your child a leg up intellectually, spiritually, physically, emotionally, then hold off on that smartphone as long as possible, or don't even do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast. My name is Nathan Sutherland, and today we get the opportunity to speak with Dina Alexander, the founder of Educate and Empower Kids, uh, whose entire life work right now is trying to inform and educate young people and parents on topics like smartphones and the internet and digital citizenship and how can we process the conversation of pornography. Um, I'm really excited for her because as you heard in the introduction, uh, she is very passionate. She's well-informed on the subject and she has a lot of great challenges for us as parents, for us to think about so that we can intentionally love our kids out of hope, not out of fear, um, and, a, and take seriously that opportunity we have for accountability and not just simply controlling our children's choices, but um, really looking at how, what does it look like to love them well, to allow them agency and, and free will, uh, but then to also equip them and empower them to make good choices. So with that in mind, we're going to get this conversation started. Welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast a resource for parents who are feeling outpaced and overwhelmed as they raise children in a tech world. As an educator, parent, and tech user, I want to equip parents with the tools, resources, and confidence they need to raise kids who love God and use tech. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Uh, today, we get a chance to speak with Dina Alexander, the founder of Educate and Empower Kids. Welcome, Dina. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk to you today a little bit about your work, about how you're helping families be good digital citizens and parents be excellent resources for their kids. Could you just walk us through a little bit of what inspired you to begin this work with Educate and Empower Kids? Uh, so probably about seven years ago, a little more than seven years ago, uh, I was just reading a simple Facebook article, uh, you know, back when we could get useful information on Facebook. And I... Yeah, many moons ago. And I read an article about teen porn consumption and I couldn't believe it. I honestly was reading through this article thinking this can't be true. This can, it cannot be this bad. And so I started researching um, the people that they were quoting, the PhDs, one person being uh, Dr. Gail Dines, who's basically the, for, the, mo the foremost researcher on um, pornography in the world. Started researching some of her articles and it was just all within one afternoon, just sitting, I'm a, I'm a full-time mom. And I was, I was shocked and I, it just was basically that same day, like a fire inside me where I just said to myself, I have to do something about this. I have to warn my kids. I have to talk to my friends about this and anyone else who will listen to me and uh, did a lot of thinking, a lot of praying, uh, reached out to a lot of experts, researching, reading tons. And because um, at first I was just going to create some family home evening lessons and put them on Pinterest and pat myself on the back. And I realized that's not enough. I have to just get to every parent I can and 
uh, that same day my kids came home from school and I was, I said, you will not, you, Hey, I just read some stuff, kids. And <laughs> it's, kids. We got it. We got to talk. And yeah. so um, I am definitely a person of action. And so just from that moment on, I started gathering a board together and uh, that's how, that's how we started. So that was it. Like you were reading on social media, did the deep dive and like started making phone calls. Yeah, pretty much. Told my husband, I want to do something about this and let's, let's see what we can do. And um, I just realized there wasn't really any resources for parents. There was stuff for addicts, for male addicts at that time. And there was um, a lot of very shaming resources out there. Anything Christian related was seriously some scary stuff out there. Like, you know, you'd go to the website and it was literally a, a bleeding heart Jesus. And like, just, you're, I mean, it was just so weird. Like this yeah. stuff out there, this is, you know, 2012, 2013. And I just said, I, I can do better than this. Yeah. And so I, cause I started talking to a lot of parents and I realized, oh, it wasn't just my Christian friends who were freaked out about talking to their kids about porn or sex. It was my atheist friends, my non-religious friends. I mean, everybody, every parent was, was freaked out. And oftentimes they still are if they don't know where to turn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it started off with this passion that you had for seeing families and for young people be educated and empowered to address pornography. How, like, how did you go from, I am passionate to like, this is our action step. You have a board, you started clearly the, the foundation and, and the group, but so that's a great question. Um, Cause people, I was realizing as I would talk to parents at church, I mean, I was even talking to people at the gym. I'm on the elliptical. I'm talking <laughs> to the person next to me. I mean, I was just so, I was realizing I can't even get these parents to talk to their kids about sex, let alone right. pornography, right. <laughs> especially when I started telling them what was in pornography. Then it was like, <laughs> these people were even more freaked out. So I realized, okay, let's, we gotta, we gotta go back a step and meet parents where they're at. So that's why our first set of books was the 30 days of sex talks for ages three to seven, eight to 11 and 12 plus, yeah. right? Yeah. Very basic stuff in there. And of course people were said oh, three to seven, are you kidding? And I, it, you know, and then I would show them and talk to them. This is almost all protective information. Sure. You know, about your body, yourself. about yes, being exactly. created with a purpose and, and yes, exactly. My is. body. Yeah. My body belongs to me. These are the difference between friendships and romantic relationships, respect, just very basic building blocks for healthy relationships in the future. Sure. So that was where it started. And we were basically the only, and we still are the only sex education books out there that have a background in fighting pornography. Do you know what I mean? Um, And anything that has been produced since is very much of the quote unquote, like, you know, sex positive, which that's a very mixed statement because I definitely believe in being sex positive and making it very positive and that teaching my kids that sex is awesome and amazing and wonderful. But of course the other end of that and the sex positive is everything is okay. There is, there is, there are no limits. You can have sex with as many people as you want, uh, whatever gender you want, anytime you want with any number of partners at the same time, this kind of thing (laughs) of everything is okay. Yeah. It's just a giant web. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, all right, let's kind of get, getting out of hand there. Exactly. Because sex positive started out with let's teach sex from a positive point of view, which which, star people that like sex is bad, which what parent, yeah. Which what parent 
doesn't agree with now. But of course, it goes all the way to the other end of that, because I remember I went to a sex ed conference um, that was put on by Planned Parenthood um, of of the Northeast. Um, It was out in New Jersey, went out there. And I remember I was, you know, selling and giving sex talks books to different, there was to different sex educators. And I did have one person come up to me and say, you know, cause there's one section in the 12 plus called monogamy versus hookup sex. There's one little section chapter on that. Sure. And I remember this woman, an educator from New York city. Um, this is kind of, you know, I'm not sure what to do with this book or this section because you're going to make people feel bad. Kids feel bad who are polyamorous, meaning that they have more than one partner. And, uh, I just, but yep, exactly. We are on another planet, you and I. And I just remember saying, you know, this is that to me is not, that's a choice. That is not a something you're born with, say, right. like as a as a uh, sexual identity. You know, you're not born needing multiple sex partners. Right. Um, but again, you know, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting way to think about that. Sure. I, no, I, I, it's I'm, like, so that's so that's the that's that's what people I think parents, again, don't even realize what they're up against out there in the sex ed world, let's say. So, um, but anyways, so there's, that's um, kind of just a very different, that's where you, where we started was in just this, you know, learning and just seeing the whole continuum. Because again, I think, especially in Christian culture, you think that, you know, or in any culture, you think that people think the same way you do. Right. They don't, you know, and so that's where um, we have to kind of explore so that we know the full picture. I'm not saying you're going to tell your kids every single terrible thing you learned, but we as parents need to know as, you know, the different viewpoints out there to kind of know what we're up against so that we can have those discussions to combat that so that we can say, okay, pornography is teaching this very counterfeit version of sex. Let me tell you what real love, intimacy, and yeah. a beautiful relationship, a beautiful sexual relationship can and should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's so powerful, right? And kids, I guess, love to hear that they're being treated like with respect. Like it's not, I always use the example of the, of the movie Mean Girls where the PE teacher is trying to teach sex. Like, Don't have sex. You will get pregnant and you will die. Right? <laughs> like, I just, and so often like that's, that's how the conversation comes across, right? Like yeah. often we as adults are saying, Hey, we've made mistakes. We've seen the harm this stuff causes. Like, don't go down this road, like save yourselves. And what kids hear is like, I'm a stickler and I don't understand you. So don't do the cool stuff. Um, and I, I love just that idea of like really equipping, empowering parents. It's something Anna and I are super passionate about. And that's why we're excited to be speaking with you today. And, uh, and but you bring you went- up, but you bring up a great point there because that's yeah. why it can't just be one conversation right. because your kids are going to hear, might hear that negative, right? You might sure. say one negative thing out of 10 in talking about sex, right? You might mention unwanted pregnancy, but then you also might mention how it brings you closer together, how it's this beautiful expression of your love. You might be bringing all these things and they might hear that one. And that's why, again, we have to have multiple conversations. So thank you for mentioning that point. Well, and so listeners, let's just be very clear. What we're not saying is that we have some kind of antidote uh, that if you just, you know, vaccine your kid with this conversation once, like, great, we just, you know, porn proofed and sex proofed your kids and they're going to grow up and be amazing and perfect. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying your kids aren't perfect. That's why they need Jesus. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's why we're having this conversation is extending that love for them and that 
preemptive grace of knowing they very well might make a mistake. And this specifically, we're starting here with the pornography area, but um, in one of these areas of, of just digital interest and digital access that they've got. And we want to make sure that you as the parents are there because while Dina or myself might be able to talk to your kid at a conference or something, uh, it's way more effective to get that continual uh, right to be heard kind of parental relationship. So that's absolutely. Awesome. And I appreciate you saying that. Um, because yeah, I don't believe that there is some sort of inoculation or that you can porn proof your kid. There really is no such thing. Um, because we all have this wonderful thing called agency and choices. Yeah. And, um, with everything that's, you know, my kid's two of my three kids were exposed, not of their own free will, but by somebody showing them something, yeah. right? So we're, our kids are going to be exposed and our kids are, you know, there's so many layers to this and they live a lifetime. You know, our kids are not going to be exposed once or twice or five times. It's going to be hundreds of times throughout their life that they're going to be exposed or maybe thousands that they're going to be exposed to hypersexualized media or porn. And so that's why, again, it's that continuing conversation. And like you said, that's why we need grace to make it through not just their childhoods, but their whole lives. Right. right. So. And then make their marriages like, like it's not going to go away. Like it's going to be an ongoing, how do we love well? Um, so then, you know, pornography was where you started and then you've extended into, I used the word, I think already once, but digital or the phrase digital citizenship. Um, can you like break that out for us? Cause I think that's one of those like catch words you hear, especially as a former educator, we heard that all the time. And I think it's one of those things we sometimes nod with, but we don't exactly know what we mean when we hear that. So can you explain, what do you mean when you're doing digital citizenship? That's a great okay. question. Um, so digital, being a digital, we're all digital citizens just by nature of all of us being online these yeah. days. It's a rare time that we actually meet somebody. Like I have an aunt who doesn't have a smartphone and doesn't have internet in her house. That she's the rare. only, and she's the only person I know out of the thousands of people that I know, <laughs> right? But by virtue of being online, we are digital citizens with our kids using Google Classroom, with every watching YouTube videos for Spanish class or history class. They are in, engaging, not even just with the kids in their class, but with people all over the world um, in, in watching, in playing video games, in interacting on social media, et cetera. And so we are always trying to help parents become, and kids, teach their kids how to become positive, good digital citizens. And a lot of educators are as well, thank goodness, because this is something that is very difficult for parents to do on their own. But that means that we are gonna do our best and be our best selves online. So in all of our interactions, that we are going to be kind, that we are gonna be thoughtful, that we're gonna post things that are well-researched and that make sense, that are not just reactionary, let's say. And most importantly, I think, is that helping our kids realize that every action they take has a reaction. You know, it's, and it, we, we call it the ripple effect. It's like dropping a rock into a pond. There's ripples. So every email you send, every text you send, every photo you send can have a, a positive or a negative impact on another human being, on your life, on maybe even hundreds, maybe even thousands or millions of people. That's part of, that's, that to me is the first piece of digital citizenship is understanding that the at our fingertips with just the click of one button 
with pressing send that think of that. That's not even a second's worth of behavior can affect the rest of your life. And that's just something that is so huge and so daunting, but that we have got to help our kids understand because they can literally ruin their careers, ruin their reputation and be sent to jail by sending the wrong thing one time, you know? And so that's why it is so important that they understand their power, you know? And that doesn't have to be just a terrifying, scary conversation, but understanding that they have a huge power when they are online, interacting with classmates, interacting with their teacher, reaching out to an expert on Twitter, um, gossiping on social media, whatever, that these are, that these, that this is a huge, worldwide community that we are involved in. Yeah. And so parents and listeners, I just want to kind of break in here. You might be feeling overwhelmed (laughs) by the fire fire hose you just got hit with because we started like pornography. That's a huge conversation. And then we went into, oh, and everything else online. Um, I guess my my hope in you listening to this and in talking to Dina today and, and kind of tapping into some of her expertise in this area is simply to open that conversation in our own minds where we might've gone, well, like I'm, I'm most worried about pornography. So I'm going to let kind of, we're going to address that really well. And then we're going to kind of hope that everything else works out. And I guess um, taking off the should, right. The, we don't want to should on ourselves. Uh, well, I should, I should have all these conversations. We've got to kind of do them tomorrow and we've got to do them really intensely, really bringing this back to man. What does it look like to extend who you are, right? The reason we're called gospel tech uh, is this idea that we extend our identity from the gospel, that we are saved by grace. And so that should look like something. This is what James is talking about in James 2.17, where it's talking like our faith should extend into what we do, which means what we post, which means where we go online, which means when we make a mistake, how we handle that mistake. Uh, It's not, we're never going to make mistakes. It's how do we, how do we handle these situations, situations in love? And how do we help our kids do that? And I, I, so just, it can sound sometimes like, man, people are just really scared of the internet and we just don't get it. I'll share a couple examples. Maybe two years ago, uh, my last year of teaching, I was walking out front and a kid who was going into his senior year walked up and was like, hey, Sutherland, I want to tell you a story. Um, I was like, okay. And this young man goes, well, I was getting some pictures from a former girlfriend. We were extend, exchanging sexting images uh, and I forwarded it on to a buddy. He's like, I know that was the wrong thing to do, but this is what I did. Well, through a series of events, police get involved. He was 17 at the time, which is the only thing that gave him any kind of hope in this situation. But he ends up getting uh, nailed on basically sexual harassment and then proliferation of pornographic images. He does not get nailed for child pornography because he wasn't 18 yet, um, which he would have. But it did go felony. His goal was to join the military. He now can't do that. Uh, for at least the career he wanted. There's opportunities in the future, but he was going into a senior year knowing that his childhood dreams were dead all because he thought it'd be funny to pass this picture onto a buddy. And that buddy posted it on the internet and that girl got bullied from it. And now clearly there's a number of things that went wrong, but parents, when we talk about this, this is a young man who had big hopes and dreams and knew the right decision enough to come tell me about it, right? Like he wasn't hiding under a rock. He was owning it and saying, this was a mistake. I did the wrong thing. And then he said, please tell people about that. I, he said, I could use his name. I don't want to use his name. Uh, but I just, parents be aware that even those kids that we'd put in quotations as good kids, right? Do stupid things because their orbital prefrontal cortex is not there to inhibit their decision-making sometimes. And some of those really snap decisions 
man, they can end up with a felony on your record and a loss of your dream job and any number. And yeah, that's, so that's, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And I, and I do tend to, and I, you'll, and I appreciate you mentioning that I do tend to fire hose people with information, but all of this, all of this can be broken down into very simple things. You know, that, that is always my goal in doing a podcast or speaking at a conference or a church group is to help parents know this is very doable. You know, having these conversations, when you talk about pornography, when you talk about cell phone use and social media use, all of these things can be broken down into small, simple chats. Even something as scary as talking about um, sending nudes or being, you know, the effects of that can be done in a small conversation. It's not something that you have to plan for days and weeks, that these are, you know, small, simple things that that you can do over dinner. And there's a reason we are the right parents for these kids. We absolutely have the confidence of the Lord that we are the right people to handle these situations. Yeah. So parents be encouraged in that. Um, And there are some amazing resources, which actually uh, I'll, we'll we'll do something either in the notes or uh, a later post, but we're going to be talking about actually getting listeners, some of these wonderful resources from educate and power kids into your hands. And so Look, look for those. We'll, uh, we'll be posting on those. But you mentioned just kind of in passing. So I'm going to return to it here. I want to kind of do a, our first little bit of a deep dive because that was our 10,000 foot. What have you been up to? Right. Like that was that was the big fire. But I want to I want to kind of focus in because you mentioned smartphones, social media. Um, and one of the questions I get a lot and Anna gets a lot is, should I get my kid a smartphone? Um, so I just want to hear kind of from you have years of experience now. You've been doing the research. What is your kind of first answer when a parent goes, Hey, should I get my, get my kid a smartphone? Um, so again, so I have a now 20 year old, 17 year old and 14 year old. And so when I first, again, when I first started this, it was, um, it wasn't as big of a thing. I don't even think we weren't even on Instagram yet. Right. Yeah, my I, think daughter, like, I think Instagram yes. is like six years old. Yeah. So that's when my daughter, so my daughter was in about the eighth grade or so somewhere in there. And we had, but we had heard of the wait until eighth movement, wait until your kid is at least in the eighth grade to give your child a smartphone. So we gave that child a smartphone at that age. We immediately knew within a few months, this was probably not a great choice. Okay. Mm. So we upped our, you know, our different filtering, monitoring, etc. I'll talk about that in a second. And then with our next child, we waited until he was in ninth grade, right? We're like, okay. And what I was seeing from parents all over the country, because the research was so mixed at that time of the effects, they were, there was no depression research on it yet, but I'm watching and seeing what my daughter and her friends are going through. And it was, I I didn't need research to tell me that this was very bad for their health. Just, and that was just basically Facebook at that time. And then some kids were on Twitter. And then yes, that is when the Instagram kind of really exploded for a lot of kids. And we're watching the, um, the bullying starting. There was online bullying going on or just meanness. Um, And so we're watching this. And again, so the, now the research starts coming in showing how bad it is. There was a great book a few years ago called um, like, I don't know if it's the secret lives of teenage girls. The author is the, the author is Nancy Joe sales. And I highly recommend that book, not just to parents, but any young woman, young men's leader, 
because it is very it is a great insight into the psyche of teenage yeah. it's of teenager. troubling so if parents it you're gonna troubling. look that it is not something to read before bed um yeah. it is not something just to hand your teenager it's mm-hmm. i mean there's some dark stuff and and it's some just, very real yes. conversations had but she, but you're also understanding what the quote unquote good kids are going through because I'm seeing this, you know, at that point we moved to Texas. My daughter is in high school there and uh, it just, it all started to make sense. Click, click, click of why this meanness was going on and what the, um, what our kids were up against. So in seeing that um, and then now, so then my son, again, we gave him a smartphone at, in the ninth grade. Yeah. And we're watching him and watching our daughter and her addiction, what we're seeing, because it wasn't so much in, as much of an interest in pornography as it was in social media. Hmm. So it was this huge time waster. And then I'm watching my son and uh, the, the texting. And we actually printed out for him because one month we had a very special surprise in that he had sent over 10,000 texts. And so we printed out the bill for him that was about five or not the bill, excuse me, the number we've printed out the texts and it was about five inches thick worth of paper of this is how many texts he had sent. And then the gaming, the YouTube, just an, just a ridiculous time waster. And so I am a parent of course, that has been very intentional with, so I'm saying this as somebody who has been in the field, been researching this, doing this for years, watching the research, watching, and my kids were, out of control, basically. So when my son was in 11th grade, we gave him a wonderful surprise and took his smartphone away and gave him a dumb phone. Okay. Oh, wow. Like flip so, phone or like what, what'd you, no, what'd you give? Him? No, we used, we used a uh, gab wireless. Okay. Yep. And there is, there is another oh, one that I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's an article on our website right now about kid friendly alternatives to smartphones. Okay. So that was obviously a is huge punk phone is another one. I phone. Okay. light phone, light phone's a good one. So, but it was a huge adjustment. I mean, th- it threw him for a total loop, mm. but, and it was, it was not pleasant in our, I was going to say dig into that. Cause for parents who are listening, we literally, so the podcast directly before this one uh, addresses kind of our, I gave my kid a smartphone already. What do I do now? Like, I understand that we're kind of in water over our heads. So you actually with the, you said he was in a junior in high school? A junior. And you revoked his phone. Yes, and gave I, him. Walk us through, I mean, just a yes. little bit. You don't have to spend a ton of time, but I Yes, I want but this to- is, it's about, and I, I, just to be for, for parents, it's about being gutsy and being brave and realizing that you're the parent and that your kid is worth it. Yeah. And so if you have those, you know, because every I've heard every excuse in the world as to why their kid needs a smartphone. All the way to me, the most heart-wrenching was, well, my eight-year-old daughter has diabetes and this phone, there's an app that helps her keep control of her blood sugar, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Guess what? My husband's a doctor. There are a lot of other ways and a lot of other things to help a child keep, and just like people our age when they were kids and kept track of their blood sugar, that the damage a smartphone will do to your child is so beyond anything that there is. So I'm going to, I hope I'm going to, I'm trying to not go, go off on a tangent on this (laughs) of how, of how utterly destructive smartphones are for kids. Okay. Now they are amazing tools and I love having a smartphone. 
I like being able to at the at my fingertips reach out to an expert on Twitter from across the world and have them get back to me in 20 minutes. That is amazing. Right. But this is such an adult tool in that, like you said, that that frontal lobe is not myelinated and they are totally ill-equipped to handle it. Now, my next child is a 14-year-old who has a flip phone. Okay, he's had a flip phone. Uh, since seventh grade and it is now so now we 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 have I'm looking at the mistakes we made with the other two kids and I have good kids right young women medallion eagle scout projects for both my kids um by 14 yes oh by 13 because we had to finish it before the church finished right so we my kids are good kids right they've done sports service, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever, whatever you want to pat yourself on the back for. And this is way too much for them to deal with. Okay. Um, My daughter, you know, has talked about like how hard it was, but also now what a blessing it was that we had so many restrictions. Okay. Mm. My 17 year old, um, you know, like I said, it was very difficult that when we took it away, when I, when, and you know, when we let him know, we did not warn him. So parents, don't warn your kids when you take that smartphone, if you're gutsy enough, if you're brave enough to do that with your kids. Um, Just the nuclear option. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was like, like, phone on the counter. Yeah. We were like, I know. Well, we, we are, I'm kind of a goofball. So it was like, honey, can, you know, I won't say the name. We have a surprise for you. (laughs) Well, this is actually how the conversation went. That is how it, that's how it went. I have a surprise for you. (laughs) And we took his phone and we said, we have this other phone for you. And it looks like a smartphone, but it, it's so not, right? A yeah. Gab Wireless has talk, text, um, a radio, and a terrible camera on it. <laughs> and you cannot receive photos and you cannot send photos, right? Okay. All right. Can, I was wondering that when you said text. Yes. I was like, that seems like a loophole. But, yeah. Uh, and you can't, you can't even be on a group text, right? Okay. So you can only text an individual. Anywho. And... Uh, and he just like he was silent like you could tell he was just in shock that this was going on yeah. and he didn't uh, he just kind of like he kind of simmered on it for okay. a couple of weeks you could tell just like so there wasn't any kind of like flip out with him okay. um but it was you know very it was difficult he was very he was angry he was very angry that we were doing that um but it was such a such a time suck it was such a time suck for our, for our kids that they could, they can sit, literally sit there and watch YouTube for hours, yes. watch gamers, watch whatever streamers. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was a difficult thing because, but then I, and I also felt lots of guilt because I was like, that was my mistake in giving them. And I should have known better, mm-hmm. you know, but also we learned a lot. And then now, so our 14 year old, I let him know that he will not be getting a smartphone at all. Like while he's in your home, while he is in our home, um, or actually we, we go back and forth, but it's, we're like, maybe the last six months he's living with us. Okay. Okay. Because I am a believer in having your kids make mistakes while they are still living with you. Okay. Okay. So that they can learn, they can make their mistakes with saying something stupid, you know, but he does text, right. He has friends that he texts, but that's, you know, you, you kind of, I think you you need to help help them experience that so they don't make those mistakes, like commit a felony by sending child porn when they're out right. of college, right? right. Those, so those things. 
So you want to have that, but it's, that's probably the max I would do. Now, this is also, again, I'm seeing years and years of damage because there's of course parents out there listening right now saying, I'm not my child, or I will have this. We have um, what's called circle at our house. That's the, um, the the filtering system that we use, which is attached to your Wi-Fi, the circle with Disney. Absolutely. And then they also have what's called circle go, which is for the, the, so for phones that are going out. Okay. Like I said, I have three very good kids. The two older ones who've had smartphones, guess what? They know every way to get around circle go. Right. Okay. And so do your kids. Please stop thinking your kids are some sort of angelic person. They are going to be shown porn. They are going to be shown other inappropriate things and they are not going to be able to withstand the temptation of just the absolute time suck that social media and YouTube and anything else on their phones, their games. Okay. This is a very adult tool. And, and so, and I'm, I'm probably pretty rare in that I have a digital citizenship, digital citizen tech background Sure. in this movement and that I am telling you to keep smartphones away from your kids as much as possible. Okay. Now, because the, the popular digital citizenship movement is, oh, you know, just do this. Everything's going to be fine. It's kind of like the sex positive movement. Oh, everything is fine and beautiful and wonderful. Oh, your kids will do this and da, 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 da. Right. And I do believe in using tech for good and that we can teach our kids that but it's you it has to be under such a narrow controlled environment that most of us don't have time to be sitting next to our kid every single time they are on their phone right and so if you're not willing to take those huge you know amounts of responsibility of say keeping the smartphone in your possession until your child comes home from school and then sitting next to them for the 30 minutes while they're on social media and then handing it back to you right then don't do it. Do you know what I mean? Because it is, and I know this is hard. This is going against normative parenting right now. The norm to be a quote unquote, good parent is to give your kid a smartphone. So you know where they're at. And so they can call you in an emergency, whatever, whatever little things that we tell ourselves, right. The things that I told myself. Yeah. Access oh, those things. Yes. Oh, I'm going to be left behind. Yeah. I don't want my kid to not be part of the group when all of their friends yes. are on Instagram. I mean, I definitely got that pressure. Oh, you know, wow. my son, everybody else, you know, cause I had let my daughter on social media, but I wasn't letting my son as a freshman and sophomore, I did not let him on social media at all. Right. So I'm hearing from, you know, him on that. It did not affect his social life whatsoever. Okay. Let's, let's I, stop that. Cause this is I, one of the big ones I'll get. It's all right. So so far, we've heard when should a kid or should a kid get a smartphone? Because we get that question a lot. You said basically no. Up uh, hold, maybe, hold, hold off as long as you can. As long as you okay. physically can. Yeah, and, senior, senior year, if you must, okay. if you must, please be brave, be better than the other parents in your neighborhood and in your ward. <laughs> and love your, love your, as my kids, when they would complain about stuff, I would say, I guess I just love you more than those sure, parents. Sure. Well, and they would. Yeah, yeah. Because I because I was willing to make the hard choices that other right. parents weren't. So then I want to run through then. All right. So we talked about what happened when you took the phone from a junior, but um, when you get that pushback of parents maybe telling you like, oh, well, that's great for you and your family, but for my kids, it wouldn't work. Or I mean, I was literally, I did a, I did a talk at a church recently. And one of the major questions was, hey, all of Johnny's friends are on social media. If he steps back from social media, 
like we see the negative impacts. That was kind of the frame of the question was, we see that this is impacting him. He's losing sleep. He's losing some emotional focus. He's losing some, you know, uh, academic, uh, what would we say, momentum. But these are also his friends. He's known since elementary school. If he leaves this group, that's the only way they communicate. Johnny is going to lose all social contact. We're really worried about social isolation, et cetera. What do you say to parents? I mean, with a 14 year old, I would assume this is something you're currently addressing. I, kind of I would, I would say that is absolute garbage. And yes, your child is going to put that pressure on you. But again, your child's mental health is more important than doing what all the other mommies and daddies are doing. Okay. My son, again, so never on social media, they still have a great social life and do just fine not being on social media. And so will your kid too. Okay. Them building that resiliency, learning how to pick up the phone and dial and call a friend, maybe on your, from your phone or your landline and say, Hey, do you want to hang out? These, these simple skills are more important than getting on a group text on a group DM on Instagram and being like, Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, here's a meme. Oh, here's another meme for you, <laughs> right? I know what they do and I know what they talk about, okay? Because <laughs> I'm watching what my kids are doing inside and out, right? Your kids will not miss anything. And every kid will, be, will tell you, everybody else is on, I'm the only kid in the class. Well, mm. believe me, every single one of my kids, I have found other parents who they did not let their kids be on social media or have the smartphone, okay? Mm. So that is just a wonderful lie that your children will tell you. And I know that's hard to believe from your little angel. Please don't think you or your family is immune. And it's like, you can, you can ignore everything I say right now and still be a good parent. You can give your kid a smartphone, still be a good parent, but you are going to have much more heartache. Your child is going to have far more psychological repercussions. What I, and what I have told them and what I firmly believe is I'm giving you a leg up. You are going to do better in college and in any job you have because you know how to hold your attention span and because you don't need to click over to a game every few minutes. You can actually finish a task. You can finish a book. And, okay? and, to, and to emphasize that with parents around, right? One of these kind of great, kind of what, what you hear the tech evangelists spreading is, well, we need tech because if you don't have it, you're going to be behind. And I would just, parents, let's just call that out for what it is. Like, that's not true. My 18 month uh, child knows how to like zoom in on a photo, swipe through photos, knows what app. Like, <laughs> exactly. Just from exactly. seeing me use a phone, like she can go on there, find the pictures and start like swip, swiping through stuff. So this, this technology, unless you're talking about my child needs to learn how to code, right? And so Dina, the, the conversation we normally have on this podcast is we break tech into two categories. We have drool tech, which is the tech we consume and tool tech, the tech we use to build, right? And mm-hmm. really what we've been talking about here is that smartphones, while they have tool tech aspects, are so powerful in their drool tech, their distraction, the consumption, um, that it's not really worth the trade-off. That it really yes, isn't. Right? It's steroids. Like steroids make, okay, this is a bad analogy, but as the one that popped in my head, but like there is a benefit to taking a steroid. Like great. You're going to get stronger. The downsides is what we're concerned about um, as, as in so many things in life. And anyway, let's skip beyond yeah, my, no, bad, my bad analogy. Yeah, no, it, but, uh, no, that, I, no, I think, but that is a, that's actually a great analogy. You have this tiny benefit of your kid fitting in or being able to talk to people on social media. That's, you know, maybe the size of a walnut, but then they have the psychological baggage, the size of a, of an SUV. It's, it's just not worth it. And like I said, you can still do this and you're still going to be a good loving parent. I'm just telling you, if you want to avoid a lot of 
nonsense. And this is not just regular coming of age stuff, right? This is not like, oh, you're trying to save your child from awkward experiences or slipping and falling. I'm saying if you want to give your child a leg up intellectually, spiritually, physically, emotionally, then hold off on that smartphone as long as possible or don't even do it. Okay, because it is it's the damage is incalculable because we don't even have the technology to measure the damage. Do you know what I mean? We don't even have that long term research yet of what it is, you know, and with social media, particularly, you know, there's no you can't filter it. You cannot filter social media on with any system that we have now. That is where kids are almost always seeing porn, seeing videos on how to starve yourself, how to cut yourself, to how to perform self-harm, people having their suicide diaries, whatever. There is so much of that on social media. Again, you can do it. You can ignore anything I say. And the grace of, of, of Jesus Christ will still take hold in your life and help you. You're still, you know, but I'm saying in the good, better, best, it's not better or best. Yeah. No. So then your, let's, let's, are worth, your kids are worth more. Let's so. follow that directly. All right. So like we have probably properly freaked out a number of parents, uh, which is fine, right? Like fear isn't all bad. It's when it turns to shame and it overwhelms us and we get that second person voice, right? Like it goes from, man, I've made mistakes to you are dumb and you've made mistakes and you are right. Like as soon as it gets that accusing, like we want to uh, listeners, we want to, we want to footnote that voice whenever it shows up. It is odd that we go, I made a mistake. And then all of a sudden the second, like who's talking at that point, uh, there is an accuser and we do want to remember that. So let's talk practical. When we talk, um, some boundaries, obviously we could go deep dive. Let's just go top three. Like what are three things you would say you've got kids age kind of six to 16. What are three things parents need to employ to take some reestablished tech boundaries? Yeah. Just simple, simple start is, to have tech-free zones in your home, yeah. meaning that there are not going to be any, any technology at the dinner table. That is a tech-free zone. Um, when you are at church, perhaps you want your kids to bring their paper scriptures and not be on their um, phone scriptures. That's again, that's up to Aaron, you. That's for you too. That's for you. We yeah, and for, this and one, okay? and for you too. You know, kids. that's, and that's, um, but again, so pick those tech-free zones, but also having tech breaks. And that's, we find that that's easiest to do on the weekend. Maybe you can't because of work, take a full um, week off of social media, but your family and you can take a break for a weekend, you know, and we, um, I'm sure any, most parents have had experiences where they've had to take their child's phone away as a punishment um, for a day, a week or whatever. You'll notice that your child functioned just fine without it somehow, Um but that again, so maybe every weekend, maybe one weekend a month when you are fasting from food, um, you're going to fast from technology as well, which might be tough because again, coping mechanisms. So do your best there. But having those are two of my top three. And then number three, I would say um, you need to have a reliable filtering and monitoring system. Hmm. Um, Like I said, we use Circle and Circle Go. I'm sure there are other really great ones out there. We also have a, you know, within our security system, we have, you know, Vivint, right? We have a camera that faces the back door, but it also magically, my husband can turn that on and see if somebody is on the computer. 
um, or I'm assuming it's like a desktop, like you have a public a desktop. Computer. Yes, yes, we have a debt. So yeah, that should that's that's one hundred and one. Parents, if your if your kids have a laptop in their room, it should be in a public Wait, area. Red, yeah. red flashing lights and and yeah. sirens. Which is, yeah, it is so, something we talk about both for sleep, for safety, for absolutely. So like, so like we have it like so like our like our so our security camera that's inside our house. It happens to like so it's looking at the back door. So I have one child who can we're online school is at the dinner table right there on his laptop, and we have the other kid that. But anyways, we can see both computers. Sure, and then that accountability, which um, actually listeners, there's been a previous one where we talked about the difference between accountability and control, and how do we lovingly yes. step into that world with our kids and not just make the decisions for them, but um, yeah. be in the sticky muck and mire of of this tech that we're allowing them to engage. So, uh, being present in that, so um, that's awesome. If, if there was another hour, we could dive deep into bullies and body <laughs> issue and more about pornography. Uh, but you have resources for this, so where can people go if they're like wow you guys didn't even get to that like that one thing my family's dealing with where can they go to find out some more information um, yes yes it, i was not planning on going crazy on smartphones well, but um, hey, I, but this is but this is the relevant. experience this is the experience of of my family right now yeah. um but the so we are at educateempowerkids.org um, all of our books are on Amazon. So we have how to talk to your kids about pornography. And our latest book is called conversations with my kids, 30 essential family discussions for the digital age. And within that, we do talk about social media, changing technology, but we also have other discussions that are more personal, like talking about overcoming fears, um, creating a budget. It's more of it's uh, most of these are conversations that our parents never had to have with us. And we are on Instagram and Facebook um, edu empower kids. And we have on our website, we have tons of free, um, resources. We have a lessons page. There's one on using tech for good. There's a couple on talking about pornography. Um, there's ones about social media, just you, they're very, they're built for the digital age. So there's lots of, it's all free. Okay. So again, let's just repeat that website. Um, it is educateempowerkids.org. Or the social media handle was Edu Kids. Edu Empower Kids. Yeah. Edu Empower Kids. All right, Edu Empower Kids. Um, so you guys can go there and look it up. So Dina, thank you so much for your time and for being a part of this conversation as we work together to try to love God and use tech. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Parents, I hope that this was an encouraging conversation for you. I hope that in this process, you heard Dina and myself talking about the very real hope there is in Christ and what we can do about that, right? There is faith and action we can take to help our kids manage their technology, to see where they are and are not healthy, and to model that in our own lives. This isn't about having your tech life buttoned down and being perfect. Uh, Instead, it's about acknowledging that you're not, about having the hard conversations with your kid because tech for them is not the same as tech for you. They're swimming in it. They're awash in it. They're getting told a lot of lies about who they are based on their technology. And they're hearing and feeling a lot of lies coming through their social media, through their games, through their shows, through the interactions they have with people online. And it's our spot as parents not to just put up a wall and keep the evil out, but to help them digest what is happening, help them break that down in light of the gospel. These people that are causing problems online are people that Jesus died for too. So I hope that this was encouraging in that and not just overwhelming. If you have questions, reach out to me, Nathan at flintandiron.org. You can also reach out on social media. On Facebook, we're at Sparking Purpose. And on Instagram, we are at Flint and Iron. 
Uh, and I hope that, again, that this was encouraging, that it was helpful, and that you will continue to join us for these conversations as we work together to love God and use tech. Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through world concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care, and Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries, and Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit krista.org.